Hey everyone, CJ here. Hope you are absolutely crushing today. We've got a great interview lined up with musician Corduroy Brown. But before we get to that, we want to give, a, a, honestly, just a huge shout out to you, our loyal listeners. We just hit our 6,000th listen earlier this week. Honestly, that is such a huge mark for us. We can't even, you know, really describe how big of a deal that is to me mason and cooper and not to mention we've got two sponsorships with mr b potato chip and mountaineer roasting company which again that none of that would be possible without you guys so we seriously from the bottom of our heart thank you guys very much for sticking with us and listening to these episodes and following us on social and engaging but that's what we're asking kind of right now because you've engaged with us on social and and by listening here but we kind of want to know who you guys are we we love to know who's actually listening to us and where you're from you know, so drop us an email at mountaineermediapodcast at gmail.com because we want to get to know you guys. Shoot us your name, maybe the town or even the state that you're listening from if it's outside of West Virginia because we love connecting with you guys on all of our platforms and we'd love for our listeners just to shoot us a note to be like, hey guys, you know, enjoy listening to the podcast. I'm from Martinsburg or, or wherever you may be or maybe listening. So, you know, we'd love to hear from you guys. Thank you again for all of the support just in general. We really do love you guys. All right, let's get to the episode. Artists around the world had their livelihood stripped away in a moment's notice because of COVID-19. But now as things are starting to pick back up, so are the instruments and the spirits of those same musicians. And today we talk with Alan Brown, who's known as Corduroy Brown on the stage. He's got a new album that's coming out in August, and as you can imagine, is very stoked to get back on stage in front of crowds. And we'll even hear some of his music during this interview. But Alan's story is one of inspiration, because yes, COVID-19 took music away, but for him, it almost took much more, his life. Alan has one of the wildest COVID-19 stories that you'll hear. And he recalls with us this out-of-body experience where he essentially died in the moment that he woke back up and had a room full of doctors looking back at him. Yeah, this is definitely one of the deeper episodes that we have. But on the other end of it, hopefully you feel like you've had a revelation of some sort to go out and live your life to the absolute fullest. Thank you again for tuning in to an episode of the Mountaineer Media Podcast that's sponsored by Mr. B. Mace, hit the music. does not always shine in West Virginia, but the people always do. All right, we've got another great guest today, Alan Brown. His stage name, Corduroy Brown. That's how you can find him on all of the major music publishing websites. Dude, what's going on? You all right today? How are you? Yeah, man. How are you guys? <laughs> I didn't know how long the intro was going to be. So, <laughs> um, Yeah, man, I'm doing great. It's good to be able to see you guys and talk to you guys and uh, come back to like a little bit of normalcy a little bit with everything. Yeah, yeah, we're, uh, we're, we're working. One of these days, we'd like to get everybody in studio when we do these episodes, but uh, that's, that's down the road when we Make Gotta build a studio first. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. Start making some capital <laughs> too here. But um, well, Alan, I guess uh, I kind of wanted to ask you, 
you know, the, the big news a couple of weeks ago or last week or two weeks ago was that uh, live music in West Virginia is coming back. Yes, yes. And that's a big, big deal for musicians in the Mountain State. How does that impact you guys? You got, got anything set up in the meantime or, or you know, what, what's kind of going on with that? And I'm sure just some of your, your buddies are probably amped and, and excited to go. I think I can speak collectively for all, uh, almost said magicians, musicians, uh, that we have collectively yelled a giant shout of joy for that news. Uh, because it's crazy. I mean, you take it for granted when, until something's gone and then you say, man, like that was our life for a while. And it's just completely right. flipped upside down. But yes, we are, everyone's excited to start, you know, booking shows again and, and, there's just something about collectively being in the same space and listening to music or performing music that is just so fueling for the soul, honestly. And I think everyone has now kind of experienced that, whether you're a musician or not, like we're right. all really, really missing it. So we are excited. All the corduroy people are excited, but I know that everyone is excited to be doing some live music again. Well, it's therapeutic, right? I mean, like, you, you know, for you guys playing it, obviously, that's your craft, that's your passion, you know, you're getting, you know, getting your expressing yourself creatively. But for people listening to it, it's, it's, you know, deeply therapeutic. People use music to, you know, get over things or feel things, whatnot. And then just seeing it in person, like you said, it's just such a, you know, a different experience. Um, being there, you just feel the energy in the crowd and hearing the person that actually wrote the song, singing the songs, like, it's, it's just a whole, mm -hmm. A whole thing I think we underestimated that as a society like how yeah. much those things like matter and not to be written off is just like you know like creative arts in a school budget they get chopped off like they don't matter that's like the first thing to go but then we're like hold on wait a second once we go through a crisis like this is what yeah, we need yeah, actually yeah. as humans absolutely yeah what, what were the things that we were all doing whenever we couldn't we were watching movies we were consuming art we were doing all these things that yeah. like you said tend to get kind of cut off almost like immediately and it's like Footballs is not the only important thing, guys. Right. Like. No, <laughs> right. No, definitely not. Definitely not. So kind of going back, do you have anything scheduled or are you trying to put something together? And, and I think, uh, I think yeah. we're looking at uh, July. We're starting to book some shows um, in Huntington and then um, through August. And, you know, I'm personally not in a big rush to go back and say, let's do everything right now. Um, but, um, you know, I think later in July, we're going to start tackling some shows and start booking some stuff. We're kind of already on the, on the process of all that right now. So look for some shows in July and into August and from then on out, hopefully. Yeah. And now let me ask you, as a musician, do you, um, do you enjoy performing a lot more than like maybe the grind and, and trust me if I'm not using the probably like the right terminology, but like, you know, like building a song, mastering a song, recording it in studio. I'm sure some artists maybe enjoy that more so than performing, or mm -hmm. do you find yourself like, Hey, I want to be out and about with people performing live shows. Like, do you feel like you're one way or the other? Uh, it's, it's such a mix of both. Honestly, that's a, that's a cool question though. Like, Cause I know people that would live in a studio right? <laughs> yeah. and that don't really want to perform out live, but, um, I, it's a mix of both. I've really, really, really enjoyed, uh, the downtime because we've got to do so much studio time, but believe me, I'm itching to get out and play these songs. Like, <laughs> do you feel like that, that has that helped the creative process though? Um, just being locked in, uh, locked in a room for months at a time did did you feel like that maybe that you you talked about being more inspired but did that help the creative juices kind of flow and, and maybe create more material for the long run mm, 
I don't know that it did, honestly. Um, I have a, when I write songs, I, I feel like it takes me forever for some reason, because I think I want to make sure that I mean every single word. And I think sometimes when you kind of get stuck and you're not able to do a ton, like my creative juices weren't really going where somewhere at times, but um, I think, you know, I was with my best friend, Chris Barker, who plays bass and the Corduroy Brown stuff. And we went and saw one of our favorite bands. There's a band you guys need to have on called Massing. And they are incredible. They're some of our best friends. And we play with them. Uh, Heath, who's a trumpet player, when the dividends was a thing. And uh, me and Chris just left the Massing show the other day. We were like, man, we just felt so inspired. So, like, we were, like, you know, coming up with different riffs and lyrics and stuff. So, I think being out and about more really helps us and just me in general, just be like, man, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do right. this. Man. Yeah. How often during this time and just in general too, do you just pick up an instrument and, and go play with other people from other bands and just kind of get going? That to me is like the coolest thing about music and especially musicians, because me, I'm not, I'm not in that group, but just going in and meeting people and just kind of like, like you Jam said, sessions. getting a riff going, and then it just turns into like a, another level. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Just a, a big jam session. Like to me, that is like the coolest thing in the world because it can go in any different direction and and probably you know get you excited and inspired. But you know, how often did you guys kind of do that and and meet up with some other people? Yeah, uh, quite a bit. I mean, Heath and I from Heath from Massing um, and I still send each other song, even if we couldn't do it in person much, we send each other so many things and ideas and different little collaborative things like, Hey man, if you do this on this, we could try this and then, you know, whatever. So, but, but jamming and, and, and sharing it really more than anything is, is where it's so much growth comes from. And especially mm-hmm. if you're jamming with people who are so much better than you, like it's, it's just like, there's so much to take in and right. learn. And like, it's, it's, I get inspired from a lot of people and like with this album that's coming out later, which I figure we'll talk about a little bit later, but like this album is so collaborative that it, I mean, I basically would, would blueprint these songs and then send them to people and then let them do their things and then be like, man, I'm just like, Holy crap. Like I can never have written that like right. without that, that person's feedback. So, um, uh, any kind of collaboration is huge. I think as a musician, it, it'd be, it'd be very self-sabotaging to not work and do with other people. Right. And you know, I'm certainly not a musician by any means. I, you know, I played the recorder <laughs> like in fifth grade, nice. um, which, you know, is probably <laughs> below average at that even, but um, you know, the only thing I can liken it to actually is, uh, you know, I'm a big golfer. I play golf and it's like when you play with other people, um, you, you kind of gel and you get, you see different styles, but also if you play with people that are better than you, you tend to play better. Like mm-hmm. it tends to like you elevate your game because it, it's just a collective thing. Um, and like you said, I, I think it's so kind of fascinating with music too. Not that you like, you know, strive maybe to find people that are better than you, but I think just hearing someone else's take, like we got a good buddy named Tanner Davis, um, who's a you know jazz musician and whatnot. And he, he kind of spoke to this. It's just, you go in, you hear different stuff, you try out different, maybe you attempt stuff that you wouldn't have otherwise attempted. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you'd be doing yourself discredit by just being like in a silo by yourself. Mm-hmm. I, I just find that concept pretty fascinating. And that, that obviously was difficult with COVID, right? I mean, that, that was getting in groups of people and being around each other and shaking hands was not what, you know, we were trying to do during yeah. the middle of the pandemic. Oh yeah. That's a um, thank God for Dropbox and Google drive. I'll say that. Right. <laughs> Let me ask you this, Alan, because, you know, knowing this podcast, this podcast, you know, I don't know how much, you know, I guess, um, understanding of it, you know, we, we try to highlight 
people in West Virginia that have, that have, or we, you know, call them influential, but you know, there's no measurement to that, you know, metric, but it's just folks that are living, breathing examples of what we think this state is truly about. When you think of West Virginia, what comes to mind and, and maybe take us back with your earliest, um, you know, childhood relations to it. And, you know, now that you're, you know, growing into a professional in the music industry, where does it sit in your heart and professional career uh, right now? This place, as much as a bad rep that it gets, I mean, there are people that are movers and shakers and that are truly, whether it's young professionals, old professionals, whoever, that really care about this place and, and that, that, that aren't going to let, you know, bad reports about this place be what it really is. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I've seen people do that. And I've seen people take this and say, sure, we have these bad things going on, but look at this, look mm-hmm. at what we really are. Don't don't just read the headlines and and I'm not sitting here being like, oh, it's all the media's fault, but it's right. just how stuff happens. I mean, just people get an idea about something and then it just turns into what it is. But I've I've always been inspired by those people who say, like, sure, there's some bad stuff, because there's gonna be bad stuff anywhere, but right. like let me really show you what's here. Let me let me show you this business and let me show you these people that are doing this. And I've always just seen that even as a kid i mean i used to play competitive paintball to travel and play up through ohio and west wow. virginia that's cool and even though i was like in high school and barely could afford gas to get to these places because i didn't really have you know <laughs> had a really crappy job and whatever it was like even then like we got to travel and see everything it was do you like, have a tipman do you have a tipman gun I, I, everyone started with a tipman everyone <laughs> i that's played a little like, paintball a little casual paintball in the hills of west virginia growing yeah, up yeah man yeah everyone <laughs> like if you didn't have a tipman you weren't you know right. you were a sport getting shot up <laughs> but <clears throat> i don't know that's what west virginia is to me man it's been specifically around this area i've just seen so many people just Mm-hmm. say sure there's some bad stuff but like hey look at all this incredible stuff like people are passionate about being here hey what's up guys this is cooper here for the mountaineer roasting company coffee break and hey look remember they're still offering 15 percent off your online order at mountaineerroasting.com how do you get that 15 percent off discount well all you got to do is use code media 15 Media 15 gets you 15% off anything online at mountaineerroastingcompany.com. They make delicious coffee that's roasted right here in West Virginia, and they'll ship it right to your door. So jump over to the website, mountaineerroasting.com. Use code MEDIA15 to get 15% off. All right, let's get right back to the episode. It's true. I mean, I mean, and CJ and I have heard that time and time again. And, and, and that's what like a, a good clarification of what you said. It's not like we're saying, um, you know, because that, that, that line could be like, oh, it's the media. Like we're not we're not on that camp blaming everything on the media. Certainly CJ is in the media. So we're not we're not anti-media. But it does always seem that West Virginia, because like it's so like it's so easy to package the story about like a shitty West Virginia story. It's so easy to like package and sell that in national media that just becomes like the playbook. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like, you just come to expect like the Florida man theory that like all like right, something in Florida, yeah. like yeah. the dude, like whoever, yeah. like, you know, it's like that just becomes story. a headline. Yeah. Like yeah. Florida man's on the interstate doing something crazy. It's just like, Oh, <laughs> what the hell is going on in Anaconda Florida? Anaconda flying from right. <laughs> trunk. I think yeah, it's that element. I really do. Here. And I think it's like, the lack of, I mean, like us 
or people are, we're here doing these things, but just having, that's why we wanted to create something was telling those stories to say, hey, look, yes, there are things that of course we wish we could be better at, but there are incredible rich diversity and, you know, people and kind people and, and cool and fun stuff to do. So I'm glad you kind of feel the same way on that. Absolutely, man. There's, it's kind of a mindset too. It's like, you know, your brain will find the things that if you're looking for a yellow car, you'll see a lot more yellow cars. If you're looking for, you know, a pizza store, you're more likely to find a pizza store. So it's not to sweep the bad things under the rug, but sometimes you got to flip your perspective a little bit. Okay, let's try and uh, let's transition into something that we have not done yet on this podcast, but uh, we're looking forward to doing with you. We're going to stick a couple of yeah, acoustic versions. At least this one is the acoustic version of To My Younger Self into this episode and, and talk a little bit about your music. And then on the other side of this, we'll talk more about your upcoming album and, and some of the uh, trials and tribulations, I guess, that life has thrown at you. But uh, okay, let's start with this one, To My Younger Self. Tell us a little bit about that. Wh- where is that idea? Where did that title come from? Why are you talking to your younger self? And maybe <laughs> a little bit of uh, an in-depth perspective. For sure. Yeah, this was actually, I think, the second song I ever wrote as Corduroy. And um, we recorded it first, uh, even though it was like written maybe after a few others that were written. But I I guess that, you know, if any of us could go back in time or even go now and figure out a way to talk to our younger selves, we would tell ourselves a hundred different things. And we would say, quit worried about these things that weren't as big of a deal as you thought, or, Hey, that girl didn't like you. So what? Hey, you didn't didn't have the most recent clothes in school. And you know, all these things that seem like such big deals when you're in the moment. And, you know, if I could go back and tell my younger self, even a week ago, you know, something I would, I'm sure that I'd have something to say to him. So it was kind of about um, just that. I mean, like, we get caught up in the moment sometimes and don't realize that this, the thing that we are fretting about is actually maybe really good for us in the long run. So I think that's really where it came from. Yeah. Sometimes those, those are the things that end up making you who you are down the road and mm-hmm. you don't realize it until a while after. Coop, did you want to add something? No, I would go back and tell myself to invest in Bitcoin, what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who was it? Um, it's Satoshi Nakamoto. Is that who, uh, Go That's be buddies. The, the alleged Go, founder, yeah. Yeah, the alleged founder. Go be buddies with him. But uh, yeah. anyway, all right, let's take a listen. Take a step back and cloud yourself with wonder. Oh, little child got too much ahead get yourself up our times will bring you under but you'll be fine just like your mama said cause I'm feeling satisfactory they made this feeling in a factory some days I ain't so sure like I can't go no Back. 
Cause there will be another In a little while Then you can try again Take your eyes off Someone that makes you wonder You can say goodbye Just like you should have said Cause I'm feeling satisfactory They made this feeling in a factory Some days I ain't so sure Like I can't go no more So what am I good for? Just what am I good for? And joy comes with sun rising In the morning weeping through the night and this thing for sure won't last forever, we'll be just fine. And joy comes with sunrise in the morning, weeping through the night. And this thing for sure won't last forever, we'll be just fine. Cause I'm feeling satisfactory. They made this feeling in a factory Some days I ain't so sure Like I can't go no more So what am I good for? You can tell me any day Just what am I good for? So what am I good for? Okay, cool stuff. Well, Corduroy Brown, we'll call you Alan. Sorry, we'll, we'll go with uh, the guy, the person you are. Tell us uh, a little bit about uh, this upcoming music because you'd uh, alluded to it a little bit. You've got a new album coming out. You said it's Let Me Know. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you said there's a lot of collaborations on it, which is like super cool. A lot of, I'm sure, Appalachian artists, West Virginia artists, you know, Southeastern Ohio and maybe some Kentucky. You know, tell us a little bit about who's on it and where the inspiration for that kind of came because that kind of the title of that is really part of the story of your story and who you are today. Absolutely. So the title uh, the album is going to be called Let Me Know. This is the first album from Corduroy Brown. And uh, there's been a few singles out and everything now, but um, it took me forever. Literally, I mean, probably less than a month ago, I kind of came up and we've been working on this album for over a year uh, with a title called Let Me Know. And, um, you know, everyone since I can ever remember has always kind of had my back. And it, the phrase I always hear is, hey, let me know if you need anything. And, and especially with being in the hospital and everything, um, getting really sick, that was the thing. Let me know. Hey, what do you need? What can I do? What, what do you, you know, what can I do for you? And I kind of really took inspiration from that, I think, because just my whole entire life, everyone's always had my back and just mm-hmm. said, hey, let me know. Like, let me know what you need. And Mm -hmm. that kind of ties in with the collaborative feel as well, because, um, you know, there's, again, the the band Massing, they're some of my best friends. They're on this album. Uh, My friend Jeffrey McClellan, who has produced and and helped master this album. Um, My best friend Chris Barker, um, a guy named Johnny Barr that I go to church with. um, Jacob McComas, who's not a musician, but he's someone from uh, Jewel City Barbershop in Huntington. He's on the album, believe it or not. And there's there's musicians, non-musicians. There's all kinds of people. There's some people from Cincinnati on this album. Wow. They're literally all over the place. And 
I, I wanted that to be a thing where it was like, hey, like I want to make music with my friends first. That that's mm-hmm. the the key thing. But also, there's kind of a marketing side to that too. If you really want to look at it, like um, if people are investing in the music just as I am, you know, these people are going to be like, hey, check out the song we did with Alan, as well as me saying, hey, check out the song I did with these people. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of a not that that was ever the whole like you know part of it was the marketing but it was like i want to make first of all music with my good friends yeah be creative and do some really cool stuff but also there's kind of a that side of it too where it's like there's going to be you know double the double-edged sword of people promoting this so yeah yeah i i have convinced i'm convinced that barbers can second as uh professional rappers <laughs> i do believe that but uh let's okay let's let's kind of get into you know some of the serious stuff that you talked about dude you had covid Yes. And it took a life of its own because, you know, they kind of, the, the, the stereotype, I guess, in a way is that young dudes get COVID and it's two or three days, you're probably on your butt, but then you're, you're back to normal. And that just shit, that wasn't the case for you. Hmm. Yeah, we, we took a little rougher trail than that. So I had a COVID back in late January and around the end, you know, I had it, it was, you know, I was off work for however long and it was kind of cruddy, you know, it wasn't fun but it wasn't like, oh crap, like, you know, it wasn't, wasn't what it became. Um, so after COVID went by, um, you know, I was out of work and stuff for a little bit or off work rather. And, you know, it felt like a bad cold basically. So, uh, you know, I get rid of that, you know, going with my life, go back to work, everything's fine for a while. Then like late February, the dates are kind of blurry still because there was a lot of time in the hospital. Um, come to work and I was like man my lymph node on my left side of my neck is like super swollen I was like okay I'm gonna go to an urgent care just go get antibiotics like sure it'll be fine like you know no big deal uh well you know they were like hey uh, your white blood cell counts up you might want to go get checked out like at the hospital and I was like eh, yeah, I don't know can you guys just do antibiotics whatever <laughs> and uh you know just playing it off because it was like okay I'm fine and I'm not gonna right. nothing you don't ever think anything can happen to you until it does so um so we'll fast forward to Saturday where I have been throwing up for three days. My fever is 103. I'm sweating. My kidneys feel like I'm absolutely, they're about to explode. Um, so I go to the hospital uh, and they send me home the same day because they were like, hey, you're just a little anxious. Your breathing's kind of bad because of that. And I was like, no, I'm kind of having trouble like, yeah, breathing. Something's not right. Like something's yeah. really not right, but they gave me anti-nausea medicine, blah, blah, blah. And they sent me home. And it was less than an hour. You know, I'm laying in my bed and my kidneys start hurting. I start throwing up again and blah, 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 blah. And so I go back the next morning. I'm like, guys, we no, mm-mm, something's not right. So they finally admit me to the hospital. I'm there in the hospital in Huntington here um, till Tuesday. And I remember waking up Tuesday morning and, you know, I'm skipping, trying not to take up like 90 hours of your guys' time, but it's, you know, stuff's getting worse. I'm starting to realize my breathing's getting worse and I'm not sleeping. I still haven't eaten since Thursday. It's Tuesday morning at this point. They, they don't really know what's going on yet. So Tuesday I wake up and my breathing is as shallow as you can. I mean, it's so hard to explain what it feels like to just not be able to intake breath. It's bizarre. And uh, so they, they've been running tests like crazy. Still can't really figure it out. So they, uh, they say, Hey, Mr. Brown, we're going to give you a CPAP machine and just try to get some more air in your lungs. And cause they're not really doing what they're supposed to be doing. I said, okay. So it was like an hour after that. Um, they were like, Hey, Mr. Brown, we have to put you on a ventilator. And I said, uh, what? 
And they're like, yes, um, you are right now in heart failure, kidney failure, liver failure, and lung failure. Holy shit. Um, and they, they were saying, yeah, we, we got to do something now. And I said, I started calling my parents, started calling like my girlfriend. I was like, hey, um, apparently this is happening. And yes. So, you know, I was there from Saturday to Tuesday. And I remember getting ready to be sedated to be put on the ventilator. And I got to tell you guys this real quick. You know, people talk about seeing a white light or like, you know, doing mm-hmm. that kind of thing. You hear that in movies or people talk. And that's completely real. I had that experience where... I was in this infinite white space and I was aware that my body was there. I could see myself or I could sense that I was there. I couldn't like look down and see my feet or anything, but I was in this infinite white space and I could see that my soul or what was inter- interpreted as my soul at that moment, it was, it was leaving me. I could, I was watching it and I was aware of that in that infinite white space that I was in. And this, the timing of this all checks out because I actually died like from the, time that I got put on a vent and got helicoptered up to Morgantown, I was actually gone. Oh God, Jesus Christ. Like, I was actually out. And Holy fuck. Like, and then, like, the timing of all that checks out, because I was like, I went later, like, when I got out of the ICU, I was like, did I, like, is that a real thing? And I started thinking, I was like, I remember vividly this infinite white space, and I watched literally what was perceived as my soul leaving my body in the space and it and the crazy thing is it wasn't scary and it wasn't like panic it was like it was honestly the most peaceful place i've ever been in my entire life <laughs> Dude, it, and like terrifying. i was aware that i was i was aware Good that God. i was dying like holy shit man like it was it was freaking crazy and like i'm getting chill bumps thinking about it again and i've told this story a few times at this point but every time i think about it i'm like man i was actually gone and who knows where I was at? Like, I don't feel like I was on the earth at that point, but like, anyway, so that happened. <laughs> Casual. And, uh, so, you know, and, and I'm telling you guys, it was the most peaceful. I've never been that at peace ever. And I watched my soul leave to go into some infinite freaking space. And um, so that was on Tuesday and Tuesday was a big blur because of all the sedation and stuff like that. And, um, Wednesday, I don't remember. There's like videos of me talking to the nurses on Wednesday, but they had me so heavily sedated still just, um, and when I woke up Thursday, they were like, Hey, like, Hey, you're in Morgantown, <clears throat> you're in Morgantown. And they were explaining like everything that was hooked up to me. Cause it was mm-hmm. a lot. And I had these uh, giant tubes that were in my hips. They were the life support tubes because they were like, yeah, we had to put you on life support and you were being held alive by machines. And I was like, oh, well, good morning. Um, (laughs) It's nice to meet you guys because there were a lot of doctors looking at me like when I finally was like, oh, hey, guys, like they did this thing called ECMO, E-C-M-O, and it's like a way that they basically reoxygenate the blood. Uh, and put it back in your body so that your heart can like it basically pumped my heart for me and stuff like that so um it was just unbelievable guys i mean that was hooked up to so many things and um i had to sign paperwork that said like hey if you if we have to do a heart transplant like you know you may have to get a heart with like hepatitis or like you may have to do this but like you'll have a heart and it was like i had to sign those papers like First thing when I was able to. <laughs> no choice almost. Um, yeah. So, and it was a very slim chance that they were going to have to do a heart transplant. But they, the people at WVU, 
the hospital Ruby, they, man, oh my gosh, they were on it. They handled their business so crazy good up there. It was just a different, different monster of people up there. Like it was incredible. Um, and what was so crazy was that like, <clears throat> you know, I, there's this uh, measure of your heart. The output is called um, ejection fractions and people who have a perfect heart have like a 50, like, um, that's like perfect, you know, don't smoke, you know, take mm -hmm. care of yourself. Like your heart ejection fractions full on 50 is the number of perfect, like that measure. People who have heart attacks go down to like the twenties and thirties. Well, mine was a 12. Holy um, so meaning like, you know, if you take a faucet and then close it all, open it up and then close it and it's just kind of dripping. Well, that's pretty much what my heart was doing. So, um, so basically what, what this whole thing was, was this thing called MIS-A is like some kind of inflammation uh, immune system thing that is not very common. Less than 30 adults have ever had it in the entire country. Wow. Um, and basically my immune system went so crazy from the antibodies that COVID made um, that it caused my heart to go in this state of shock. And then that caused the rest of my organs to basically shut down too. So really all they could do up up there was keep me alive kind of till my body stopped doing this whole thing so, so covid like triggered like because you had covid like weeks you said yeah, like a couple weeks had gone by and then yeah. like so you'd like you thought you'd like recovered from i mean i guess you did recover from the, the covid antibodies. part of it yeah mm -hmm. holy yeah cow. it was the exactly the antibodies had this like certain like little protein basically left over that everyone's you know when you get the antibodies from covid like you might still be a little foggy or might still have headaches and stuff several weeks after and that's from your body getting used to those antibodies well my immune system said hell no like and freaked we're out, gonna yeah. kill everything <laughs> so god, including god. me so, <laughs> yeah. good god man um, what a wild what a wild real quick, what was so crazy was that how <clears throat> my body returned almost back to normal. I mean, yeah, it went through a bunch of craziness because life support and how violent that really is and like what they have to do to all that. But like, I was supposed to be on the life support tubes for two weeks, but I got them out from that following Tuesday to that next Saturday. Um, and then on top of that, I got out of the hospital a week earlier. And I feel like so many people prayed and so many people like just had influence on the world that God was like, okay, guys, I get it. We're, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna let you have them back. And they're, they're really, I don't know if there's enough time for me to tell you just all that went into this, but there's, you know, guys, we, we take for granted so much and we, we don't do everything that we should be doing with our lives. You know, we think, Oh, I'll just get to that next week. Or like, I'll call my parents tomorrow yeah. or I'll live in the second. It's, it, we, this stuff can be gone right now yeah. and you know what matters to us as a society and i think like you know we value money and the jobs we have and the cars and all that stuff and it's like none of that really matters it's like how did you love and how were you loved and what were you passionate about and how how did you feel and, and did you really pour yourself in anything in this world to do better for people so I don't know. That's my little spiel on that. We could go into Oof. a whole sermon about that. Yeah. <laughs> no, man. Oh, I mean, my, and rightly so, because I mean, what a tremendous, I mean, experience. And now it's like, you know, in a lot of ways, you probably feel like you not like are obligated, but you even just sharing that has the, the ability to impact other people. So they don't have to die like you did um, to go through that. And now you have this almost like this whole new like worldly perspective of like oh, what yeah. really matters and like, you know, um, I can only imagine that's going to be, you know, such a tremendous like advantage for you now moving forward to be able to like, you know what, 
it's not that important parking ticket not a big deal this you know it's like we yeah. slowly start to like think about stuff a little bit differently when you go through something that crazy oh yeah there's a song i want to talk to you guys about too my friend jeffrey who's um like i said he's recorded and he's mastering the album and he he doesn't he does harmonies and, and backing vocals but he never sings like like lead stuff mm -hmm. but he's this master musician and just he's just so good at everything jeffrey mcclellan he's someone you guys should definitely have on the show too and um he's toured with a band called fever war and toured with oh man he's literally a freaking master musician and mastered everything he does um but he wrote a song when i was in the hospital and i was still in icu and like my phone's you know going crazy and i'm just yeah. still like still foggy from like everything happening because <laughs> you really don't have time to do anything by yourself when you're in ICU because there is someone with me 24 7 but he sent right. me a song or I think I texted him or I called him and I was telling him I was like man we got to live our lives better we got to like not hold grudges we got to do this and we got to do this and I was just kind of telling him how I felt and I was like crying and you know just you know finally kind of understanding what all had happened so far and he says, I got a song to send you. And I was thinking, okay, he's going to send me something from the album we've been working on for, you know, last year, he's going to send me a final mix or something. But he sent me this song that he wrote called Better on the Ground. And like, <laughs> oh man, I'm, I'm actually like kind of choking up right now, but um, it's going to be on the album. And I swear that my, if I, I swear that my spirit was with him when he wrote that because there's the way that he worded stuff and the chords that he used and and um if i would have sat down next to him we would have wrote that song the exact same way and um it's 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 unbelievable and and i sang a couple parts on it as well and it's going to be on the album and i and i wish i had a final version to to show you guys for this but <laughs> it's um man it's just unbelievable man it's just unbelievable What's up guys, it's almost Mother's Day and you know what that means, you gotta buy your mom something. So hop on over to mountaineermedia.org. That's our website, that's mountaineermedia.org and we've got a hat for your mom. Mountain Mama, it's a cute little denim hat. On the back, it's got a rhododendron and on the front, like I said, Mountain Mama. So pretty cool hat, mountaineermedia.org is where you'll find it. It's 30 bucks, ship it to you right now. You can still get it before Mother's Day on May 9th. So, and also on the website, hey, look, you're going to find all the bloggers. Remember the amazing bloggers that we always talk about? Yeah, they're still pumping out article after article. Uh, it's just tremendous work. So shout out to the blog team. You can read all of their work on there and you can also subscribe. So twice a month, you're not going to get an email bugging you, you know, every single day. You're just going to get two monthly emails with updates about episodes, uh, merchandise, the blogs, whatever it may be that we're up to. We're going to send it out to you. So sign up for that on uh, mountaineermedia.org and just keep up to date with us so we appreciate all of you the listens all of the likes all of the comments all of the shares thank you guys so much and uh let's get right back to the episode right now see ya you know when it kind of goes back i know that this album had been in the works before all of this stuff had happened but it, it almost makes sense more so now that you wanted this to be not just corduroy brown but this is so many other people right this is mm -hmm. giving others an opportunity to share their message mm -hmm. uh you know and, and share the platform and so it only makes sense now that you have this this new found vision maybe it was something you already had but it's even more crystal clear than it was before to you know enjoy this life with others it's not about yeah. just any single person or singular 
soul. It's, it's about a collective group of, of joy and enjoyment from, from everybody around you. So it kind of makes sense that, you know, you have these, maybe even these relationships are even stronger than they were before. Oh yeah. There's, you know, whenever I was going through the mental health stuff, I've always been a very big advocate of mental health and I, I go to therapy and um, I've tried to take my life before I used to self harm a lot. And um, I've always been very vocal about that. And that's kind of been another thing on this album is just like this sense of everyone being together and, and everyone having my back and, and wanting to have everyone else's back on different things. So it's like, you know, this album had to, had to be written this way. I feel like, and I've always had so many people that have just supported me for, I mean, maybe it was for the mental health or maybe it's because good karma or whatever, but like this album, I feel like I'm so ready to show it off because I feel like I don't have anything else to say anymore. I feel mm -hmm. like I got everything else out of my body and chest and mind and that better on the ground song that Jeff wrote and put together that, that literally was like putting the sealer on it all. And Wow. Well, I'm looking yeah, forward to it. When, when does this come out? When is it? The, I think I don't have a date for yeah. this because I think we're going to do the single first. We're going to do that okay. as a single first. And then we're going to do a couple more singles to kind of mm -hmm. as like focus tracks for the album. And the actual album will be out in August 14th, okay. I want to say. Cool. Okay. So I don't have a release date on the Better in the Ground song yet. Okay. Awesome. And we'll definitely play through. And I mean, you know, have you always like music seems to be, like I was saying earlier, like very therapeutic. Like, did you growing up did you always feel like was this your way to express yourself or did this come in like later in life that you got into music and being able to like capture all these thoughts and feelings and whatnot via you know singing and, and recording music no one in my family was musical at all really? <laughs> so i uh you know i don't know how or what exactly happened to make yeah. me want to play actually yeah my friend nick allen who plays in a band called nick allen the troubled minds country band um I remember seeing him play guitar at school and my mom got me a Fender model CD 60 acoustic guitar for Christmas in 2008. And literally just like, ah, it just kind of took over. Mm -hmm. And um, it's something that when you perform music and maybe you guys feel this way with like some of your passions and stuff, but there's something about like when you're performing and, and just being in music, maybe not even in front of people, but I mean, I've been in front of 2000 people and you just feel like you're absolutely levitating. And, mm -hmm. yeah. and, and I feel like that's just something that goes back with like, I got lucky enough to find the thing that I'm supposed to be doing with my mm -hmm. life really early on. Maybe some people may not find that till later on, but like there's something about being in tune with that, whatever you're supposed to be doing on the earth, whether that's being a janitor at a church. I know a janitor at one of the churches I've played at that, that's his thing. He loves it. And that's, mm -hmm. that's what fuels his fire and, and feeds his soul every Sunday. And you know, that, that's kind of what music is for me is like, once I understood like, and I love this, like I, I don't ever want to stop. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah man. I, I mean, so I, I have that conversation, believe it or not, like quite often because I, you know, I'm a financial advisor, so I do financial planning with folks and I talk to people about like careers and like whatnot. And like, you know, unfortunately, I think a lot of people don't, um, like they have a passion and then it's either because of like monetary or they're just maybe like afraid to pursue it in a serious way. Um, and I often find myself encouraging people, Hey, look, like you got to find something, whether it's like, maybe if it's not your full career, maybe, you know, maybe you give 60% of your life to X, Y, Z or something, but you have to find, I believe like two or three, maybe four things that you're just like absolutely passionate about um, and do them. 
um, and, be, and, and don't be afraid. Usually it's in the context of like spending money on it. Like for me, I know golf is the thing that like, I don't mind spending money on. I'm not gonna feel guilty about it because it's my passion. I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, it helps me not splurge in other areas of life. So it's usually in that context that I have it. But what you said, it's like, you know, the janitor at the church. I mean, like, well, you know, that's an example where it's like, maybe they, they genuinely do love that. And it's so important, I think, to, for people to hear that because the mental health aspects and the rewarding, rewardingness and happiness you get from it are just, um, you can't put a dollar, you know, you can't put a dollar next to that. It's irreplaceable. Um, so sorry for riffing there. I just, it was, it struck it really exactly with a, a lot of the stuff that I speak about with clients. No, that's, that's great, man. And like, take it from someone who died, literally. Right. Um, yeah, like, listen to this man, people. <laughs> the stuff that you're afraid of, you know, I had a lot of support in the hospital. There's like an entire community that came to my back. But th- there are things that like you lay there in the hospital bed, like possibly not going to ever get to do the things that you said you were going to do. Right. And don't don't let those regrets eat you alive because there's going to be a time where you literally can't do the things that you love anymore. Yeah. And I remember calling my, he's my best friend, Chris Barker. He's playing bass for this. And um, I remember we cried on the phone for 45 minutes because they, he was telling me, he was telling me about how him and Jeffrey were going to release the album if, you know, I continue to get bad. And and I said, God damn it, we get to release this, this album, dude. And we cried forever because we've poured ourselves into this for a year. You know, Chris and I, especially and Jeffrey, but I said, we get to do this. And, I was so mad at myself for not taking chances and, and, and holding grudges and, and not doing the things I kept saying I was going to do sooner because I had a potential to never wake up again. Right. And all the stuff that I kept saying, I'm going to do next, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. All that was gone. Yeah. And you had to think it like that is haunting. Let me just tell you guys, like that is the most haunting thing. It just, it just, the re- regret is horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got deep fellas, but no, I mean, yeah, I love like, it. I love yeah, it. You too. Know, it's but, like, but like, if you got passions, just go, what, like literally just go. Mm-hmm. No, man, yeah. I love it. I love it. You know, it's like, you know, basically the crudest way I could think of saying it's like, fuck someday. Like, don't be a person that says someday I'll do that. Someday that do it tomorrow, do it today, do it, do an and, and it's not say do it every, don't have to be an amazing guitarist that can perform in front of thousands of people, but just do a guitar lesson, mm-hmm. you know, book yourself a lesson, take one small step. And that, that's at least pushing yourself towards what you want to do. Um, so man, look, I mean, wow. I, I just, you know, I, I kind of came into this thinking where it's going to be mostly about music and it was, but man, this is like, what a, this is maybe one of my favorite episodes, man, because your, <laughs> your stories and in, in so inspiring and the perspective that, like I said, that I think it's going to slowly, I think if you haven't already realized it, is that you're going to be this light now in people's lives that uh, you're going to change a lot of people's lives because you're going to give them a perspective that not many, I would say very few or that have had. And, and it's almost like, uh, one of the famous sayings is like every man realizes they have two lives like after like or like you have two lives after you realize you have one yeah, right mm-hmm. so it's like i mm-hmm. think that's going to be you man um and we certainly appreciate you coming on here on the podcast it already is yeah mm-hmm. man I, yeah. I i feel like i could literally talk your guys ear off but i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna hold back a little bit <laughs> we enjoyed it man no we yeah. enjoyed it alan Alan Brown, thank you. Find him, Corduroy Brown, wherever you listen to your music. He's got a new album coming out in August, hopefully. August 14th, yes. Yeah, definitely. 
a single coming out here soon, and we will promote that as well. Alan, man, thank you very much. Best of luck to you. you. We'll be in touch, man. If you if you ever need anything, you know, let me let know. Us, right? Let, let us me know. know. Oh, yeah. let, let me know. Cool. I dream in color. I dream in red. Hey everyone, that is going to do it for this episode of the Mountaineer Media Podcast. Thank you for tuning in, and this is Watercolors by Corduroy Brown and Catherine Allen, a name you might recognize if you follow along with us, because Kat is doing 52 hikes in 52 weeks. She's really crushing it right now, and she's also doing some vocals on this. So thank you again to Allen for coming on the episode today, and all right, guys, take it away. My dreams... Yes, they tease me I'm better off now being to myself I seem to struggle to see the best And to forget the things I swore it meant Changed for the better, I'm changing too I started seeing my dreams in blue For me, it's not easy To see something else My dreams, yes they tease me Better off now being to myself Better off now being to myself.